1: This is Seth Goldstein. For our episode, I think we're episode of the lucky 13th episode of Entrepreneur's Enigma. Nice. I'm, I get
0: the 13 one? Oh, you get the crap. the
1: 13 one. Oh, I should have warned you about that. Yeah. <laughs> um i'm with the ever amazing very humorous um ever talented jason falls straight from louisville louisville kentucky that's right right yeah
0: yep and and you pronounce louisville right that's good
1: i've practiced that louisville louisville Louisville. exactly exactly there you go you don't you can't shut and do it
0: yeah louisville louisville (laughs) i'm
1: I'm, I'm, a yankee what can i say that's okay Anyhow, so Jason and I have known each other for I don't know ten years or so. Yep. Um, we, we first met way back when at the A. Weber, which is an email service provider's first Ascend conference. Mm-hmm. He was Jason was the keynote speaker. I think you just done the No Bullshit Marketing book. Yep. Is that what's called No Bullshit?
0: Yeah. No bullshit social media. Yeah. That's social well, media that was,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: I remember that. I still have uh, pictures of me. Uh, on stage at that conference, uh, they took some yeah. really good pictures and let me use them. So it's good stuff.
1: It was at the Westin on, um, I think, 15th, right below okay. Broad. I, I, I grew up in and around Philadelphia, so I know where, yeah. it, where it was. Exactly. So, yeah,
0: that I don't remember, but I'll take your word for it.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, it was fun. It was a good time. And, you know, we've stayed in touch. His new book, I don't have it with me. I have it on Kindle. So I could, oh, if you can hold it up. Is, oh, is it? Oh, oh here oh, it is. oh there here it is. is. Behind me. There we go. There you go. It's influence reframing influencer marketing to ignite your brand. It's an awesome book. I mean, it's e- it's easy to read. It's ch- I mean, you're I mean, I I the highlighting in my Kindle is crazy. <laughs> it's like every every page is like you know you find tidbits and then then oh, of course in Kindle they have their underlines as well. So you're like oh mm-hmm. that's a good point too. Yeah. So I'm going back and I'm like reading through it again. I'm like whoa, I pretty much underlined the whole book.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I, I, I try to, you know, when I write these things, I hope they're useful for people and I hope a lot of people get good stuff out of it. So it's good to hear you liked it. And hopefully your, your, your viewers here will pick up a copy and like it as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Please go over there. You can find it over jasonfalls.com and you can get it pretty much all over there. I'll put that little ticker up there. They will put a little check out Winfluence, and it's also a podcast. Yeah, which is fun
0: too. So. Yeah, I launched the podcast in September of last year, so it's almost a year old now. As really just kind of a marketing companion for the book, mm-hmm. um, but I've had a lot of fun having you know everyone from you know brand managers to company CEOs to the software vendor folks to you know influencers uh, themselves mm-hmm. on the show and every week i learn something new and it's just a great way to kind of explore different perspectives on influence marketing and and get smarter about it I, this past uh, yesterday's episode Uh, with Colin Jeffries, who is a, uh, VP of marketing at, uh, Brightview, which is a uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation center in the Midwest. Um, He's got this really cool perspective on, you know, building influence, not necessarily using online influencers, which Mm -hmm. is kind of the point of the book in a way. You know, I kind of underline if we take the R off of it and call it influence marketing instead of influencer marketing, now all of a sudden our perspective opens up and we can think, okay, I've got an influence and audience that might happen on YouTube or Instagram. Mm -hmm. But it might also happen with, you know, local community efforts and lobbyists and lots of other people. So mm-hmm. um, great, you know, just learning new stuff every day and having really deep conversations about the industry. So the podcast is a lot of fun.
1: Oh, it's, yeah, it's a great podcast. It's a must listen. Everyone should check it out that, you know, that you can get that over at jasonfalls dot com. Mm-hmm. And so what inspires you to write this book? I, I mean, I, I know what inspired me to read it, but, you know. <laughs> other than being Jason's book. I mean, like I I know why I wanted to read it because it has a different take on influencer marketing.
0: Yeah. There were two things going on at the time. I started writing this thing in early 2019. I started writing it in the spring. I started writing it and there were two things going on at the time. First of all, there was lots of coverage in mainstream media about influencers and it was all negative. It was the media talking about how they're superficial and all it is is selfies and, um, you know, the, the, they were talking about the ones who uh, airbrushed clouds into their pictures on Instagram and, you know, mm-hmm. the ones who who weren't doing anything effective. And because the mainstream media is where a lot of small business owners, uh, as well as, you know, medium and large you know marketers and whatnot, get their information about these niche topics, I, a very negative portrait was being portrayed. Uh, about influencers. If you're not in the marketing wheelhouse talking about this stuff every day, sort of marketing mm-hmm. geeks like you and me, a brand manager is not necessarily going to hear the whole story. So I knew that because I spend my days working with influencers that are very effective at moving the needle, at driving sales, at in creating brand lift and brand awareness and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that little sliver of the peace sign duck lips crowd, you know, the ones <laughs> that, that, that I think are superficial and don't have a lot of substance to them. Um, That's a very small sliver of what's out there. So I wanted to promote the industry a bit. But then I also, at the same time, was working through influence marketing strategies with some clients at Cornet. Yeah. And, and we were doing things that other people weren't doing. We were laying influencers on top of each other for different types of campaigns. We were triangulating things. We were mm-hmm. doing a lot of offline influence, which is where that idea came in of, well, wait a minute, it's not just about Instagram and YouTube. We can also use people of influence or influential people, not just mm-hmm. influencers, and so those ch- ideas kind of collided, and I said, "Okay, I've got to, I've got to start putting some ideas together." That, coupled with the fact that my agent called me and said, "All right, it's been eight years; it's about time you write another book because this is crap. You need to write something." And, and you're uh, like,
1: "Oh, publisher perish!" So he kind of yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: he kind of stuck his foot up my butt a little bit on it. So <laughs> I got motivated, and and that's how it all kind of came together.
1: That's awesome. So you're currently working at Cornette as mm-hmm. you're the chief. I mean, s- senior Stitcher. senior
0: influence strategist. I think is my official title, but yeah. uh, I just solve problems. It doesn't matter if it's influencer marketing or if it's SEO or PR challenges, content marketing for our clients. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of in that owned and earned space, and mm-hmm. I solve problems.
1: That's kind of what I do. Exactly. You're kind of an entrepreneur <laughs> in, in the space. You know, yeah, because, a little bit. I mean, I mean, you've done you know you've done the entrepreneurs side of things. You do public speaking you know you write books for crying out loud you know i mean uh, what inspired you to get into the i mean he's, before this before we got went live i think it was before we went live you were saying you had a, you went into radio because you did you know you had you actually had a, you said you had a, actually auditioned to read your own book on audible and <laughs> yeah. you, you said look i have a radio background like yeah, What's the origin story of Jason here?
0: Sure. So I've always been in some form of communications or I guess performance, if you will, uh, which is why I like podcasting so much. When I was 14 years old, and I'll give my mom a lot of credit for this, but not quite the way you think. Um, so when I was 14 years old, it was the summer before my freshman year of high school, and my mother started leaving me lists of chores to do every day, Good. and I didn't want to do her chores So she said, well, if you don't want to do chores, get a job. So I I walked up the hill. I I lived in Eastern Kentucky at the time. So I walked up the hill to the radio station, which was basically up on the hill behind my house. And I marched in the door and I said, I want to be a DJ. And they knew me. They knew who I was. They knew my mom. She had been the editor of the local newspaper. So it wasn't like oh, so
1: communications is in the the blood. Yeah,
0: it wasn't like a cold, you know, just some kid walking off the street. They knew who I was and they knew my mom. But I said, I want to be a DJ. And they said, well, go in the studio and read this little AP wire copy script and we'll see what you sound. Like and I put on my best fake radio voice and you know, and uh, they said, "Well, you can start Friday." And so, wow, uh, in high school, yeah, in high school, I worked at the radio station. I did you know a couple of weekend shifts, not not a whole lot of heavy lifting, but I eventually, like, I loved working at the radio station so much, and I loved being behind the microphone and performing that I just got good. I started practicing and I would take advice from the engineer and the other DJs and whatnot. And I just figured out how to do it. Eventually I started doing play by play for my local high school football and basketball teams. I started doing sideline reporting on some other games. And then when I was 16 years old, two years later, one day the morning show guy at the radio station I was working at just didn't show up one day. And they called me and said, Hey, can you come in and do a shift? And I'm like, yeah. And so for the summer before my senior year or junior year in high school, I was the morning drive time guy.
1: Oh, wow. A high school student.
0: Yeah. So I, I did that in high school and I, I just, I loved that whole world. So I went to, college and got a degree from Moorhead State University in Kentucky in radio, TV communications. Mm -hmm. Um, And then while I was in school, I wrote sports stories for the local newspaper uh, and then got hired by the sports information department, the PR guys for college athletics um, to kind of help them work. Um, And so I ended up my master's degree from West Virginia University is actually in sport, sport management, sports administration. And no. I thought I was going to you know, pursue that sort of p- college athletics PR, maybe yeah. one day be an athletic director, maybe. Um, and I did that actually for 15 years. Um, oh, wow. I, I was a college athletics PR guy for 15 years and um, had a little bit of a network broadcasting stint there for a couple of years in between before I actually got back into the. Uh, into the PR world. Mm -hmm. But I did that and I I worked at a lot of smaller colleges as the internet was emerging. So I learned how to build the athletic website and manage content. And I was playing on forums and message boards, trying to figure out how to get more people to pay attention to my student athletes and our, our teams. And so when I got out of that in 2005 ish, when my son was born, I was working at an ad agency and someone said, I need help figuring out how to, use blogs and social networks and stuff. I don't know what it is. And I was oh, like, well, wow. I know what all that stuff is. That's what all I've been doing for the last 10 years. And so I immediately connected the dots between what I did for fun over here playing on the internet Mm-hmm. And what my clients needed to be able to connect their their message to their consumers.
1: Oh, that's and, awesome. And
0: like literally within nine months, I went from a PR account manager to director of social media to VP for interactive and just kind of blossomed from there. I just grabbed the bull by the horns and didn't fall off, I guess.
1: There you go. Wow. So yeah. So you, you know, very ambitious. You had to go and you know, especially the 14-year-old. That's that that takes some
0: yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it took a little bit of moxie, but I mean, I I, yeah. I grew up in a small town, and um I was a you know obnoxious attention getter anyway. So it, yeah, was, it was the and, one and place. You're
1: very much an introvert, right? Yeah, introvert.
0: it was it was the one place in town I could probably work, and it, it was it made sense.
1: That's um, awesome. Yeah, so that's it
0: right. was fun. I had a, I had a good time doing it. I I thought I was a hell of a lot more impressive than I was, but. uh did, but, you the, yeah. did
1: you have? Was your voice like it is now, or was it still very high pitched?
0: Nah. Well, like no, it, it wasn't high pitched. I had the same tone, but I didn't yeah. have the polish. Um, and uh, so, and, and I grew up uh, for for your your viewers out there. I grew up in Eastern Kentucky, where the Hatfield and McCoy feud was. So a lot oh, of wow. people, a lot of people I grew up with, they talk like this. You know, they're kind of Southern and lazy and twangy in the way they yeah. talk. So I had to practice and rehearse to get that out of my system. I still have a little bit of twang, but it's like cute twang. Like there's a, a few words <laughs> that that make me sound a little country, but I don't sound terrible country. You
1: sound like um, you're from Louisville. It sounds like you're a suburban <laughs> country.
0: There you go. Um, but so I actually competed in speech and drama in high school and uh, and worked on my broadcasting. I would get up every morning uh, as a 15, 16 year old. And I would get the the newspaper and I would read the stories out loud while I ate my breakfast because I was oh, wow. practicing enunciation. I was practicing rhythm and tone, pace, uh, because I had to read those news stories on the air later. And so I just practiced. And it was one of those things that I eventually got to the point to where I sounded pretty good on the air. I knew how to breathe right. I knew how to control how I talk. I knew how to you know talk at length ad nauseum when, when the record player doesn't fire or the real to reel machine breaks while you're talking. You don't stop. You keep talking. So you know,
1: as you're fixing things, you're still talking. You're like, exactly. why is it not working?
0: You've you've got to learn when you're on the air on a radio station, you've got to learn that if you shut up, all of a sudden that's dead air and that's not good. So you just keep talking until you can, you know, put something in the cart machine, play a commercial or something until you can take a breath. And then
1: you can go, oh
0: exactly. <laughs> so I learned how to do all that and be, you know, kind of a broadcaster, which is actually Kind of the front end of my career, and now I don't know that I'm on the back end, but I'm some sort of midway. But now I've come back full circle yeah. to doing podcasts and live streams like this and whatnot. And so it's it's really it proved to be pretty good training ground for what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how everything you look at the internet, the first half of the internet, like like 90, well, the first half of what we know as like the, like the consumer internet, we'll call right. it that, was you know between I would say. What did you say? It was like ninety four and ninety six ish, yeah. Through like twenty eleven, then it then everything is sort of turned upside down. I mean, and there's books out there that say like, you know, that's what people started saying, you know, it wasn't as broadcast; it's more convers- conversational.
0: Yeah, I think the in the in terms of of social media and people actually yeah. connecting on the internet, you're right. Sort of phase one, I think, came up to two thousand nine. I would argue, yeah. and the advent of the iPhone. And, and when smartphones began to be in everybody's hands, now all of a sudden the internet was different. Um, and you know, Facebook was there and Twitter was there and LinkedIn and YouTube were there, but they didn't really get that gasoline on the fire effect until everybody could do it from the palm of their hand. And once they did
1: remember, I remember SMSing to Twitter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Once they did, uh, once that happened and everybody had smartphones, the social networks really started to take off and build value and find ways to you know, monetize what they were doing a little bit better. And, and the, the web, the social web, as we know it, started to form about 2009, 2010. And then I think I don't think it's reached its full maturity yet, but it's yeah. probably in its teenage years now.
1: Oh, it's definitely acting like it. Yeah, that's true. Wow. It's acting like
0: it. Well, and this is a whole nother like rabbit hole conversation, but I think we're starting to deal with the negative repercussions of what happens when everybody gets to be a publisher and Mm -hmm. everybody can voice their opinion and thinks their opinion matters. Um, Because now you've got just noise from everybody. Um, And, and then of course, you know, there's the whole, you know, fact checking and fake news and all that kind of stuff that's, um, you know, it's a little bit of a Pandora's box that we've opened up. Hopefully we can figure out a way as a society to figure that out in the next few years.
1: Hopefully, hopefully. So your last book was the no, no bullshit um, social media. And that was, that was
0: the first book.
1: First and then,
0: book. and then Winfluence is the latest book. And then in between I had the rebels guide to email marketing with
1: DJ. Walker. It, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I knew, I knew there's more than two. I was, I was like, I'm like, there's more than two, but Baron, your agent was like, all right, you got keep it going. Keep it going. Exactly. So so people can go over to JasonFalls.com and get more information about the podcast. You're very active on Twitter, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm still active on Twitter, Facebook, a little bit on Instagram. I don't do as much on Instagram as other people. I'm actually pretty active on LinkedIn, too. Um, oh, I love you know.
1: Link- What LinkedIn's doing now, I mean, they're really grabbing... The pull by the horns. I mean
0: they did a really nice job of sort of slowly rolling out LinkedIn Live and giving giving access to a certain number of people. I was fortunate enough to get early access to LinkedIn Live and so my uh, you know, my digging deeper show, which I do for Cornette was yeah. it started out as something different, but when I did start doing it on LinkedIn, it kind of blew up. I had a really nice viewership there early on because I was you know, one of the few
1: people doing it. There was no noise. Yeah.
0: No, it's leveled out now because there's a lot more noise in, in the stream with live, live video there. But I, I like what LinkedIn has done lately in terms of empowering content creators, uh, prioritizing video, um, you know, moving some of the. Uh, newsletter features and blog features into the forefront. There's a lot more thought leaders now, like Charlene mm-hmm. Lee, who are doing their email newsletters based on LinkedIn content. Yeah, and so LinkedIn I think they're doing a really nice job of, of building that sort of B2B business environment.
1: Yeah, I'm still trying to get in on the newsletter part. I have, I just, <laughs> I just discovered that I had LinkedIn live on my personal, you know, on my profile. So we're on that. Hi, everybody, but uh, <laughs> But you know, the newsletter thing, I'm like itching for that one. I'm like, that that looks really cool to kind of just be able to not take everyone's email address and put it outside of LinkedIn and spam yeah. everyone, because that's like a big no no, you don't do that. Yeah. But being able to use your graph and share stuff out to people who want to follow you, you know. Yeah,
0: it's good. I think I think we're gonna start to see also in, in especially in the world of influence marketing. Uh, over the course of the next three or four years, I think we're going to start to see a little bit of the pendulum swing back to where content creators are owning that channel that they're they're going to do more blogs and email content. Oh, I love that. Than they would necessarily put all their eggs in Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or TikTok's basket. Uh, I think they're going to you're going to start to see content creators diversify where they're publishing, not necessarily mm. shut anything down, but I think because of the manipulation and the changes that the the Facebooks of the world are bringing to the table of trying to get their piece of the monetization pie of these influencer mm. relationships. I think you're going to start to see influencers start to go. Wait a minute. I don't need to, I don't want to rely on Facebook for connection to my audience. I need to recruit my audience over here into an environment I can control.
1: Owned media.
0: Exactly. And LinkedIn is doing a better job of letting that happen. Now, LinkedIn's not a, a smart channel for B2C type influencers. Nah. But LinkedIn's serving as a nice little model of let's empower them, not try to monetize them immediately. Absolutely.
1: And I keep on telling my friends, um, do you happen to know Shannon Miguel?
0: I know the name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's very big on on blogging on the platforms. And I'm like, Shannon, you need to get a blog. I will build you a blog (laughs) because this is is rented media, not owned media. And she actually is my co-host of my other podcast, Digital Marketing Dive. Yeah, that's where I'm from. Exactly. So she's a, we're going to get her on this show as well. But Jason, thank you for coming on. This has been so much fun, you know, just catching up with you and, the book, like I said, is fantastic. You can get it all the everywhere, pretty much. Hold Here that book is. up again. There it is. And, you know,
0: beautiful and, influence forward oh, and, by David Mirman Scott. That's a good I one. Right I, yeah,
1: exactly. It's a very good forward. You know, and and like I said, it's an easy read, which is nice. It's not like it's a textbook. It, I think it should be a textbook. I think <laughs> people should be reading them that in business school. I think business school should you know be reading more of the easier reads less of the dry text because I think you're going to actually retain it more.
0: Well, I I appreciate the kind words. And I definitely think it's it's worthwhile for anybody who wants to really get a grasp on how to approach influence marketing strategically. Mm -hmm. Um, There is one chapter devoted to here's the how to's, right? But Mm -hmm. it's not a how-to book. It's more of a strategic thinking book, which was was what my previous books were. They weren't about how to do email marketing or how to do social media. That that, that beats
1: it too. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's more about how to think about it, so that regardless of what the tools are ten years from now, hopefully this will still be pretty relevant. The No Bullshit Social Media that Eric Deckers and I wrote in 2011, so ten years ago, is still you know 50 copies a month or you know popping off because we didn't write it about. You know, MySpace and Friendster and whatever. You know, we wrote it about social media thinking. And exactly. So that's still relevant. Advanced. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yep. So everyone can also subscribe to the show at entrepreneursenigma.com. That's going to be actually rolled into Goldstein Media's website eventually when the redesign happens. Almost there, but you know, if you can still go to entrepreneursenigma.com. Not the easiest words to spell. I realized that after I came up with it because entrepreneur. I have a little whatchamacallit call doozy thingy here. The text expands it because I can never spell entrepreneur. I think it's a French <laughs> word, and it it can, it, there's too many e's and u's and oh, yep. get it. But it's a good word, so I'm using it. So, <laughs> you Jason, go. thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it, and this will be the this will be made into a podcast. So I'll make sure you know when that comes out as well.
0: Seth, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I let me know when okay. it comes out, and we'll make sure everybody knows
1: about it. Awesome. I right, take care, everyone.